Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Michigan State hosts Purdue uh, coming up on Saturday. Purdue's 24 and 4, overall 13 and 4. Um, in the Big Ten, still has uh, Big Ten title hopes uh, on the line here this year. Um, and fighting to get a one seed, they still have an outside chance, um, but they'd have to probably win out, maybe, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, they've got. You know, Michigan State is still sitting okay mm-hmm. in the net, and uh, and Wisconsin is in better shape. They've still got those two games, but I would say, given the way things look, for them to get a one seed, they probably need to run the table and then win the Big Ten tournament. I think that would give them a a pretty compelling case because you figure they're going to be some losses, you know, on teams that are ahead of them right now. But I think realistically it's it's looks more like a two or a three seed mm-hmm. for them uh, that would be my assumption but you can't rule a one out if they close strongly mm-hmm. the other thing too is it's worth mentioning is both the msu and wisconsin games are road games yeah so that gives you a little bit of a boost too if you can win them mm-hmm. uh purdue comes into this one 13th overall in ken palm uh and much like um Iowa's sort of overall profile, they have, they're the number one offense in the country, number 118th defense. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it's crazy because you don't expect this mm-hmm. from Purdue. You know, what, what you expect is a Purdue team. Now, there are years where they haven't been elite defensively, but you expect, this is like you do with Michigan State, you expect a Matt Painter team to be able to defend. And the fact that they are this bad, I mean, this is, I've said it before this season, if if this was Iowa last year or maybe some other teams we've seen in the past, people would be much more skeptical. You don't mm-hmm. see a lot of skepticism about Purdue, in my opinion. When you look at national commentators, et cetera, there seems to be a belief that, hey, this team's fully capable of getting to a Final Four. And they might. They might be one of those outliers like Michigan was in back-to-back years, 12-13 when they got to the Final Four and the following season when they got to the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. Those were really, really bad defensive teams and really elite offensive teams, and they managed to make it work. Villanova pulled that off when they won a title, one of the two years that they won it. I believe they had a rough defensive profile, and they still won it. But we're talking about a handful of outliers over a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And and the truth is, it is very difficult to get to a Final Four and win a national title if you are not balanced. And Purdue is not balanced. They are an incredibly good offensive team, and they are a very, very bad defensive team. And that's the truth. And 
you know, my two cents would be when you're trying to win four straight to get to a final four and then six straight, if you get there to win it, it is very difficult, very, very difficult to do that. If you can't guard at a decently high level, because somewhere along the line in that run, you're probably going to have a day where you're less than your best offensively. You might meet a matchup, you know, if you're, I don't know if they were facing, let's say the equivalent of prime Bennett era of Virginia, mm. where look, their defense is good enough. They're going to take something out of you on offense. You're not going to be as good as you are normally, you know, is your defense good enough to win in a game like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's, it's, you figure along the line somewhere matchups and just a bit of an off day for your offense is going to come and bite you. That's why teams that can do everything reasonably well are, tend to do better. They're better positioned. I mean, I don't think it's a very controversial statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so number one offense in the country, of course you see Edie and you see Travion Williams. That's obvious, but man, the yeah. one thing that's really scary is they're number two in the country in three point percentage. Yeah. 40% yeah. plus. It, it, it really is. I mean, Michigan State's still holding strong. Michigan State, even they've been a little bit off last couple of games, they're still sitting at 12th at around 38%. But this team is even better. Yeah, and it's it's the thing that that really leaps out at you, that they've got the ability to really beat you any way they need to. Elite shooters, multiple elite shooters, not just one or two guys. Mm-hmm. they got a bunch of threats. Then you've got maybe the most unguardable player in the country in the post of E because of his size, the toughest guard. I, mm-hmm. I think that's true because he's so huge that, you know, nobody, I mean, I, I watched their games against Michigan and Dickinson, who was a huge kid in his own right. Doesn't <laughs> he, look that big, right? No, he looked like it was amazing. He, he made him look yeah. small. Zach E is a true freak in that way. And so you've got him, and then you've got Trevion Williams, who is an incredibly skilled post player. And any other year, he'd be the guy getting all the talk because of that, except he has to split the position mm-hmm. with Edie. So, you know, that, that that's you've got shooters, you've got those two guys. Oh, and then, by the way, just to add in, you've got in Jade Nivey, the guy who might be the most dynamic player in the country. He doesn't have the stats to make an argument for best. Mm-hmm. He won't win Big Ten Player of the Year. He won't win um, National Player of the Year. But he might be, I, I've seen a lot of suggestion that has him in the top five uh, in the lottery for the draft coming up next year. And I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he could be the best pro mm-hmm. out of that draft class. I think anybody would say that's a possibility because he is, that's the element, you know, we've seen Purdue teams reminiscent of this one before. I go back to that team in 17-18 that MSU beat yeah. at Breslin. Um, they had elite shooting from all spots on the floor, or four spots on the floor. And then they had a gigantic player in Isaac Haas that nobody could match up with inside. But what this team has that that team didn't is Ivy. Mm-hmm. That team did not have a guy who when stuff is getting complicated can just go bail you out 
with his athleticism, his handle, and his ability to finish. And, and Purdue is not traditionally a transition team. And they're still not a transition team overall. But Ivy gives them that element. And if you've watched them at all, you know what I'm talking about. When he gets playing downhill, nobody can stop him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a better version of what Ayo DeSumru was last year, in my opinion, uh-huh. in that way, where if he gets ahead of steam, it's over. Um, and, and so those are the things that are maybe a little bit different about this Purdue team. It really comes down to him. Mm-hmm. He gives them that element they don't typically have. Uh, so number, number seven and two-point shooting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. obvious with, with Edie and... Williams, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ivy, too. Yeah. Uh, and then 69th in turnover percentage. Yeah, which is, you know, not elite in the Big Ten this year because the Big Ten has so many great teams in that stat. But it's not bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's certainly a team with, that shoots the ball the way this one does, rebounds the way this one does. Hey, that's a perfectly good number. They'd be okay if they were, you know, in the in the high hundreds. So to be where they are is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 14 in offensive rebounding percentage. Yeah, and that's the scary thing. Like, this team <laughs> shoots the way they do and they rebound like that? Mm-hmm. It's, that's tough. That is tough. Uh, and then the only thing maybe you could knock them for is they're 195th in free throw percentage at 71%. Right, right. And that is, look, in a close game, that could matter. You know, they've got guys. Williams is a suspect foul shooter. Uh, Edie is not great. Um, you know, they, they've they're, – they're just they're just questionable enough. Mm-hmm that in the right game, if you got them in a tight one, that could play in. Mm. It's the only thing I can point to and say, well, that's not a strength. Yeah. Uh, there, I, I honestly, i got to say this. I, for my money, the kind of basketball that I like to watch Purdue offensively this year is as good as I've seen, as certainly out of the Big Ten, in the last – Oh, say ten years at least. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it's a better team offensively, and I, I haven't looked to see if their overall Ken Palm rating is actually better than those Michigan teams. But I personally, whether it is or not, I think aesthetically it's it's better to watch because what those Michigan teams didn't have was a post element, mm-hmm. and I like that. And I think especially with a guy like Williams, who's just an incredible passer out of the post. I think it makes it makes for an even better brand of basketball when you can see a team that can punish doubling mm-hmm. the way that this one can. Um, and and again, that they've got there's there's no real weakness. They can beat you from anywhere offensively. Yeah. They you know, they it's are impressive. They're fun to watch, you know, especially when you got a big guy like that. I mean, which is not something you typically say about Matt Painter teams. I no, mean, he's had some very good teams, but they're not usually a team that you look at and say, well, I, I want to be entertained as a neutral party. If you if produce playing and you don't have a stake in the game one way or the other, you know, they're not because they don't fly up and down the court. They typically have not had great athletes. Mm-hmm. They've been more of a grinding team. And this team has the ability to do that. But again, Ivy just changed Ivy and the way they move the ball 
just makes them really, really fun to watch. I agree. Mm. On offense, at least. Yeah. Uh, defense, a little different story. 118th in the country. Um, they are a great defensive rebounding team, 27, uh, and they don't yeah. foul much. Yeah, but that's about it that you could say positively for them defensively are those two things. Yeah, they they 187th and three-point percentage against, uh, and they give up a lot of attempts. Yeah, it's a real vulnerability, you know. And, and look, that's going to happen. Some of that is a function, and, and this is something, you know, maybe Michigan State can exploit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could put them in pick and roll, either of their big guys, doesn't matter which one's playing, will really struggle to get out and and take away threes, you know, yeah. and they're not, they'll hard hedge at times, but they don't consistently do that. I think the ability for opponents to make them pay just in that component of the game alone has had a lot to do with why they've struggled there. Mm-hmm. Dickinson and just, just took them to task out there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, right. If you've got a big man who can shoot, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, and uh, we'll, we'll see how Michigan State opts to opts to approach that. But um, there are possibilities there if things were to break the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, 146 in the country against twos. Yeah, which is kind of strange. It, for a team with that much size, I mean, they play when you count the two centers and then uh, Caleb First, who's a six ten reserve four man. They play three guys 6'10 or 6'9 or taller, and then they've got good size on the wings, yet it's a mediocre at best shot-blocking team. I mean, even Edie, as big as he is, he averages a little over a block a game. Mm-hmm. So he's not really impacting the way you might think a 7'4 guy would. Um, and and they just, yeah, they're, they're, just, they're, not a, they're just not a good defensive team. There's no other way to put it. They don't move particularly well. This is where, you know, other than Ivy, maybe the lack of great athletes maybe hurts them a little bit. Uh-huh. It's just, it's surprising because Matt Painter's had teams with this profile before, and yet he's always managed to be able to come up with a good team concept. But for whatever reason, this group just has not been able to execute it at all. Hmm. Uh, and then, 197th in length of offensive possession. Which is a little faster than they've played in the past, and I I attribute most of that to Ivy. Mm -hmm. Because he does give them that element. He gives them that guy that can go baseline to baseline and score. Mm -hmm. You know, and they do more of that because of him than they've typically done. Um, But yeah, not a fast team by any means. Just maybe a tick faster than we're used to. Yeah. Uh, So for starters... um, Eric Hunter, 6'3", senior. Um, he's rejoined the starting lineup lately. Um, 5.6 points per game, 48 from the floor, 44 from three, 67 from the line. Yeah, it's th- this team is filled with guys like him. They just the three-point shooting numbers are gaudy. Mm-hmm. And, and you see it when you watch this team play. It's guys like Hunter that benefit so much from the attention that gets paid to Edie and Williams because all those big guys have to do when the doubles come is kick it out and find a shooter. And there are a lot of guys who are options. Hunter's one of them and you're getting wide open looks, 
You know, we saw in the Iowa game, if you don't guard, if you don't contest, you know, teams at this level can kill you mm-hmm. from out there. And, and Purdue has the track record to let you know they're likely to hit them mm-hmm. if you're giving them open looks. So he's one of those guys that's a beneficiary. I think it also helps because this is an experienced team for the most part. Yeah. And he's he's an experienced guy. He's played a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. So at Purdue, he's been a starter for a lot of the times, been a reserve at times, but he's played a big role for them over time. And his shooting, really, that was the thing early on that he really struggled in. I remember his first couple of years, he really struggled to gain any kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's not a problem now. Forty four percent. And then Sasha Stefanovic, another senior, six five. Uh, 11.6 points per game, 42 from the floor, 41 from three, and 87 from the line. Yeah, and I actually think he's their best shooter. And even Mm -hmm. though there are a few guys that are maybe percentage-wise a little better, he's their best because he's a volume guy. He takes more shots than a guy like Hunter does. And I think he has as quick a release as there is in the conference, and he might maybe even the country. And he might be the best catch-and-shoot guy. Mm Mm-hmm that I've seen. And, and those two things combined make him an incredibly difficult player to guard. You know, Purdue runs uh, quite a bit still of motion stuff. And so it's frequent that Stefanovich is coming off a pick. He'll get a pass and go right into his shooting motion. The, the time that elapses between him making the catch and getting it in the shooting pocket is like that. It's like lightning. Yeah. And that's what makes him so difficult that, you really you can't afford to be trailing Stefanovic on screens. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Forget going under. You can't be trailing because if you're trailing, if you're not there on the catch, he's got enough time to get a look. Yeah. And he also leads them uh, in assists, ninety six and twenty eight games, three to one ratio. He's you know he's reminded me a lot, and I, I felt this way since they got him. I, I felt like he had a lot of the same attributes that Dakota Mathias had. Mm-hmm. We basically became that kind of player for them. You know, Mathias was a guy that, just like back then, Purdue really doesn't have a true point guard. Yeah. And and so they're never going to have, and that's by design. They, their offense is designed, you know, playing a lot of motion stuff. They don't really rely on a pure point guard the way most programs do. But, you know, a kid like Matthias was a lethal shooter, but he was also a very, very good playmaker. Mm-hmm. And and Stefanovic is that as well. The one difference between them is Matthias could also guard. And Stefanovic is not a very good defensive player, but uh, offensively they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jaden Ivey, 6'4", sophomore, he's the one leading them in scoring. 17.3 points per game, 46, 37, and 75. Uh, and he also grabs... 4.9 rebounds a game. Yeah. Uh, and he's also a good playmaker as well. Um, just just a great, great talent. I mean, the Big Ten, look, the Big Ten is absolutely loaded with individual talent this year. If you look around, mm-hmm. you think about it. You know, we just saw what, what um, uh, the Murray kid can do. Keegan Murray. Yeah. Just absolutely tore up Michigan State. We saw what Johnny Davis can do when Wisconsin came in and won at the Breslin. Uh, we've seen Kofi Coburn, uh, I guess throw Dickinson in there, although I think he's a lesser player than these other guys. Uh, Liddell at Ohio state having a phenomenal season. 
So we've got a lot of guys that are having really, really great, like all-American level individual seasons. I maintain, to me, the guy who will have the best career going forward as a professional, I would put my money on Jaden Ivey. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these other guys I could see being very good. I could see Murray finding a way to be a good player. I could definitely see Johnny Davis doing it. Um, the other ones I'm a little more questionable on just because of their fit with the NBA game. Maybe Liddell. But uh, but Ivy, to me, is a star. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be really surprised if he's not a major impact-type player. I don't mean necessarily a franchise guy, but I mean a guy who's a long-term starter and you know at that level and who knows maybe even an all-star at some point Mm -hmm. it's possible i I just think he's dynamite and you know in the three-point shooting you say 37 percent well on this team that doesn't look that impressive (laughs) you know these guys over 40 but it's a huge improvement from last year it's the biggest step his game took Mm -hmm. it's it's truly he is an amazing story really because Jaden ivy was decently rated recruit but not an elite guy he wasn't a guy he wasn't a mcdonald's all-american he wasn't a guy and that's what's interesting about this group of players that we're talking about here um that have been so good in the big 10 not a lot of guys were mcdonald's all-americans yeah in this group you know both uh murray and davis were outside the top 100 now ivy was I think might have been around a top 50-ish guy, but he definitely wasn't an elite recruit. And people have probably forgotten this, but last year he really struggled the first half of the season. Mm -hmm. He was hurt, and then when he got back, he struggled to really find his way. And then eventually, the second half of the season, you could see it coming, but he was still struggling with the jump shot. Well, he obviously went to work on it in the offseason, because now, if you could shoot 37% from three with the rest of his game, you are pretty much unguardable. <laughs> you know? That's, I mean, because people have to respect you. Now, he doesn't take a ton of them. Uh-huh. I think only about a third of his shots are from three, so he's also judicious about it. Mm. But uh, it's certainly enough that he is a capable threat. Yeah. Uh, and then Mason Gillis, 6'6". Six, six. 230-pound sophomore, had uh, some injury issues earlier in the year, um, but now he's averaging 6.9 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, 53 from the floor, 47 from three, 86 from the line. Again, another guy in the 40s. Uh, I like him. He's he's a guy who really, to me, seems to embody the kind of, the kind of program that Matt Painter's had. You know, Ivy is an outlier. They have not had guys like him. Mm-hmm. Gillis, they've had guys like this. If you remember, you know, Vince Edwards. Yeah. On those teams just a few years ago, who was a four, a little bit of an undersized four man like Gillis is, but he could shoot, he could defend, he could do a lot of different things. Gillis is just a very, very dangerous shooter and he's a capable rebounder. And if you can do those two things, you can play a lot for Matt Payne. Mm hmm. Uh, and then Zach Eady, six, seven foot three, sophomore, um, fourteen point five points a game, seven point six rebounds, um, with a little bit more than a block a game, sixty eight percent from the floor, 
And <laughs> the scary thing about it is 68% from the floor, and you look at his offensive rebounding rate, I mean, if he doesn't make a sh- you know, the, the, the 32% of his shots that he misses, probably half of those are offensive rebounded and dunked. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. 64% from the line is, is the one knock well, on him. It's, yeah. And that might be what it comes down to. I, you know, we'll, we'll get into it in a minute in more detail. But I, I think if you're Michigan State with this team, I, I don't think you can afford to double and dig aggressively and all that. I think you've got to play them straight up. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the only shot you've got is, I mean, again, he's not just tall. He's like, he's he weighs huge. like, I don't know, yeah. 300 pounds. I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, we've, we've seen these guys like Coburn and Dickinson that are just massive. Like, what can you do with them? This is another level on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that what you've got to hope for is that you can, you can wear him down. He only plays 19 minutes a game. You've got to hope that you can wear him out and that you're going to do a lot of that when you've got the ball. Make him move. Hopefully you find opportunities to run him, make him go up and down the floor. This has always been the game plan against Painter teams because Painter teams, especially in recent years, like the last, say, seven, eight years, they've typically had a lot of size. Yeah. They've typically, you know, you go back to A.J. Hammonds and then um, uh, Haas and more recently, obviously, Williams and, and um, uh, Matt Harms and, and Edie. It's always been the game plan is where you got to make these guys move. And so that's one way you can hope to blunt his impact is by wearing him down. And then, I don't know, I think playing low, getting into him in the, with a lower body and hopefully just moving him just enough mm-hmm. so he's a little bit outside of his comfort area, that's about as much as you can hope for, but he's going to do damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then off the bench, Travion Williams, 6'9", 250-pound senior, um, 12 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, 56 from the floor, 46 from three li- in limited volume, but um, 58% from the line, which is Yeah, that's the, that's the one weakness is the free throw line performance, and he's always struggled mm-hmm. in that area. It's kind of hard to understand because this year, even though it's limited volume, he's occasionally shown an ability to hit a three. Yeah. So and and we've seen him. Let's go back to last year with Breslin, where he won that game with a mid-range jumper. Mm-hmm. You know, he's. I, I don't understand it, but it's been a consistent issue in his career. It's about the only weakness on the offensive end, at least, that exists. He is a tremendous passer. He's a close second on this team in assists. I think he's got eighty-eight. Yeah, I believe I believe uh, Stefanovic has ninety six, mm-hmm. so it's it's possible that he could end up leading this team in assists. But by the time the year's over, I wouldn't rule you can't rule it out completely. But at worst, he's he's finishing second. Um, that is a tremendous number for a big man, just tremendous, and it's befitting who he is because I think he is the best big man passer I've seen in this league in a long time. Uh, when you double him, you are begging to be given up a wide open three mm-hmm. because he will find that player. He's got a good handle. So he could occasionally face you up and go by you. Obviously with his strength and ability to finish, um, you know, this is a very tough kid to guard. 
And I, I give him a lot of credit. I really do. Because I thought that this could end up being a real problem for them. Mm-hmm. You know, Trevion Williams has had a really nice career at Purdue. I mean, it's been a steady build. He had, he had trouble getting minutes early as a freshman, and then he worked his coming out party was really Michigan against Michigan State. State. Yeah. Yeah, in a, in a win that MSU had, but still, um, if I remember correctly, but still was really good. And then it just continued to build, and he was really good last year. And to come into this season and say, well, you know what? You know, when most guys who are seniors and worked on their bodies the way he has improved his conditioning, you figure, okay, this is my chance to really be the man. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, not only are you not the man, you're only going to play half the time. I wondered, how is that going to go for, for Matt Painter, you know? Mm-hmm. Chemistry issues have arisen for less than that. And to his credit, Williams seems to have been engaged all year long. He certainly played very well. You can't knock his production. And I think it's a key, obviously, to this team. I mean, no team in the country has a, has a one-two punch in the middle the way Purdue does. Purdue never goes a second without having a guy who offensively is a major threat at mm-hmm. the five and who can rebound. There's not a second of a game that goes by where that's the case. Now, defensively, it's another issue because these guys can't move. But offensively, man, they are set. And the fact that it's worked this way is a credit to to Williams because he's the guy who's been asked to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Edie's younger, and, you know, uh, Trevion's not starting anymore. He's, He's playing half the time. A lot of guys would be a problem. Mm-hmm. That he hasn't been, and he's played well, and that's a that's a huge positive for Purdue. Yeah. Uh, and then Isaiah Thompson, six one junior, um, five point one points a game, forty four from the floor, forty three from three, seventy eight from the line, and he's getting nineteen minutes a game. Forty three percent from three, you say, huh? Another one Jeez. of these guys. They all they do is those guys. You know, they run their offense, they're screening and all that, but basically their role is be available as a spot-up shooter. And if that comes off penetration from Ivy or it comes via kickouts from the post, your job is to be ready. When you've got an open look, take it, bury it. And they got a bunch of guys who do exactly that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, look, he doesn't, he's, people may remember his older brother, P.J. Thompson filled exactly this same role for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're the same player. I think I think uh, Isaiah might be a little bit taller, maybe an inch or two, but they're the same player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Caleb first 6'10 freshman, um, a guy MSU went after quite hard uh, in recruiting. 4.4 yeah. 4 points a game, three and a half rebounds in 15 minutes. 58 from the floor, 41 from three, and 68 from the line. Yeah, he was a guy that Michigan State wanted badly and for a time, I think, thought they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Fort Wayne, uh, which is an area Michigan State has recruited over the years. And Purdue got him instead. And uh, he's been really good. You know, He was starting earlier in the year when Gillis was hurt coming off the injury, and he played very well. And now has gone back to a reserve role, but he's still 
he's still a productive player. I mean, for a true freshman, they got to be very happy with what he's given them. He shot well from deep when he's had the opportunities. He's also pretty good around the basket. Um, I've been impressed, I think, with him athletically. He runs the floor a little better than I thought he, I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's good. Yeah, great, great backup, and and a guy who's going to only grow into being a better and better player for them. I expect down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan Morton, six six sophomore, two point seven points a game, fifty percent from the floor, forty six from three, seventy three from the line, um, and he's a good playmaker too. Forty four assists to thirteen turnovers, and he's yeah. about fifteen minutes. And that was the thing they talked about when they recruited him last. He was a freshman last year. That oh he's a he's a good playmaker and he's got good size on the wing. The question mark with him was shooting and he shot miserably last year. I forget what it was from three, but it was like, if I remember correctly, it was sub twenty percent. So once again, we've got another guy above forty percent, um, and he's he's actually gone up a level in terms of his role on this team. I did not expect him to be playing these kind of minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's and and when I've watched him play, he's been effective. Yeah. So again, another guy. He just, you know, Matt Painter has types. He's always going to have the gigantic guys. Mm-hmm. If there's a giant out there, he's going to get them. <laughs> and and then he always tends to have these versatile six four to six six guys. Mm-hmm. And you Got know he's got Swiss one Army in Stefanovic. Yeah, he's got one in Stefanovic. Morton's another one that'll play a bigger role as he as time goes on. He gets older, you know, and then he tends to have these smaller guys, you know, Thompson, Hunter, et cetera, that are just snipers. Mm-hmm. Um, so Morton's one of those painter specials, you know. He's that kind of player. Yeah. Uh, and then Brandon Newman, six six sophomore, um, Hasn't really been as successful as he was last year, but he's averaging five points a game, 31 from the floor, 33 from three, and 85 from the line. I think it'll be interesting to watch him because, you know, he redshirted, which guys don't do that much anymore, but he redshirted. And then last year as a redshirt freshman, he really came on. He was starting a lot. He was very effective for them, and he shot well. And the thing they liked about him is he had size at 6'6 and athletic ability, that they thought maybe he would be an effective defensive player for them, but I think he was. Mm-hmm. But this year he's just struggled with his shot, and his his playing time has gone backward. You know, he didn't even play in their last game or two. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know that we'll see him for sure in this one, but it's possible he'll play. Mm-hmm. Um, so the five keys, number one, guard the arc um, for obvious it's, reasons. It's simple, right? Look, I was surprised by the way Michigan State opted to defend Illinois, and I and I can't say, I can't say that it was the wrong choice. They gave them different looks, and nothing really contained Coburn, so the effect was still the same there. Mm-hmm. You know, Coburn went kind of wild, but I was surprised that MSU occasionally brought a true double, not much, but a couple times. They did a lot more digging than I thought they might. Remember, they were digging a lot off of um, Grandison, which ended up being a real problem. But I think that with this team, you know, Illinois has good shooters, very good shooters, but not at this level. Mm -hmm. Purdue's another level, in my view. 
and I and they've got so many of them that I think MSU might have also gone into that Illinois game been relying on the fact that they had been in a little bit of a mini slump yeah. lately. Yeah. But Purdue's not coming in that way, so I don't think you can realistically look to help off any of those guys. Mm. I I just don't. I think as as horrible as it sounds, the idea of playing um, Edie and Williams straight up, I think you have to. And and Michigan State's got three guys and maybe even a fourth if you figure Hauser could take some minutes there and they're gonna need it. Mm-hmm. And and you gotta you know, one negative is that for, for Purdue, one of the few is neither of those guys shoots free throws very well. So if it ends up that they that they're going on a parade to the line, well, maybe you can live with that. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you go back to that game was it last year against Indiana where Trace Jackson Davis really struggled at the line mm-hmm. and, and got there a lot. MSU was just fouling him. Sometimes that's the best way you can play it. Uh, but I, I I think the focus has to be on limiting threes. And so anything you do that makes that harder to accomplish, that's that's not good. That's a negative. Mm-hmm. So I think they've got to be locked in. Now, like I said with Stefanovic, that's a guy you can't be trailing him. you got to be there on the catch. Mm-hmm. And, and that's MSU needs to be locked in in a way that we haven't seen in quite a while on the defensive end if they're going to have a hope of slowing these guys down. And I think it starts with limiting the three-point shot. I, I use often as an example of this, this strategy, that's that 2018 game. Yeah. And it's it's got a lot of similarities. There's a difference. This team has a Jaden Ivey type. That one didn't for Purdue. But basically it's a similar kind of setup. Bunch of snipers, unguardable, gigantic big men. <laughs> I think you play it straight up. You hope for the best in guarding the big men, but you limit the three-point accuracy. Mm-hmm. And the number of shots they get from out there, that's really the bottom line. Yeah. No clean looks. Uh, and then transition. You mentioned it a little bit, get get Edie running, although it's a little well, disconcerting that if he gets tired, then Williams comes in. <laughs> it is, but you can run Williams, too. Yeah. Neither one of them wants to move more than they have to. They're not, they're not effective runners. You can get stuff but in transition against those guys and wear them down on the offensive end. But the key there where it starts is you have to be able to defensive rebound mm-hmm. if you're going to run effectively, you know? So can MSU do that part of it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then defensive rebounding. Well, that's, yeah. But both for, for the transition game and also just to have a snowball's chance in hell of stopping Purdue from scoring. Mm-hmm. MSU cannot, and and I've been, it's a broken record. We've been talking about this since January first. They cannot afford to let Purdue live on the boards. I mean, if this is a, a great elite shooting team, and if you're going to let that team also pound you on the offensive glass, I, I don't know what you can do with that. I don't know that there's a path to saying, well, we can still win the game mm-hmm. if both of those things are happening. You know, you've yeah. got to play defense well enough to hope that they have a subpar shooting day, and then you got to end those possessions. One and done. If they're not if MSU's not able to do that, and the only way they can do it 
is by giving the kind of effort and playing with the kind of energy that we haven't seen very much of lately. Mm -hmm. It's the only way. Uh, and then for a shakeup, we've heard some rumblings of um, different rotations, lineups, playing time. Well, it's, Izzo said he was going to make changes, and he hasn't specified as to what those are. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, I, I, I suspect that some fans think this might mean Keon Coleman plays 20 minutes, and, you know, <laughs> and Pierre Brooks gets a start. And look, maybe, maybe that happens, but. My my guess is what we're likely to see is maybe a tweak in the starting lineup or two. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Julius Marble get a start over over Marcus Bingham. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Malik Hall get a start. Um, you know, he was one of the few guys that that did something yeah. against Iowa. Um. You know, so those are those are changes I could see. I could see Jaden Akins for Gabe Brown. You know, so there's lots of things they could do, but I don't think it's going to mean I, I'd be surprised at least if it's as drastic as oh Gabe's not playing or he's getting a five minute cameo. Mm -hmm. I think guys, you know, the minutes may change a little bit. Some of it will also depend upon, of course, how successful they are or aren't in this game from the start. If they if he goes with some changes and it's producing something, it's working, well, that might be something he sticks with. Mm -hmm. But regardless of what the particulars are, the question is, can it produce a result? Can it help MSU play better? And that's, we'll see. They need something because obviously it's, it's a dire situation that's just been steadily declining. Yeah. Uh, and then the fifth crowd is, is uh, fifth key is crowd. We have this yeah, one at home. I, I mean, at least that is uh, encouraging. <laughs> look, over over the years, and Izzo will tell you this, that building has won Michigan State games. Now, I don't know what to expect from this crowd. I, I think that, uh, you know, with kind of the malaise that's settled in, in the fan base, you know, especially if it's kind of anything less than a stellar start, mm -hmm. I think it could stay a lot quieter than they need it to be. But this team, as we've talked about, has trouble finding the level of energy and effort that they need to play with on a consistent basis. One way you can get that, one way you can generate that is you can feed off a crowd. So I think if the crowd is engaged and locked in, maybe, mm. maybe we see what we need to see. Okay. Well, this one's a noon start on ESPN. Uh, any final thoughts heading into this one? It's a big one. I mean, it's a big opportunity. You mm -hmm. know, if you can beat Purdue, then you at least start to feel better about yourself. And I think as much as anything, that's where this team's at right now. Yeah. They need they need a they need a reason to feel confident about who they are as a basketball team, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's no better no better way to build that than getting a win against uh, a highly rated opponent that's still in the Big Ten title race. You know? So that's where that's where I think the opportunity is. Mm -hmm. Is Michigan State ready to take advantage of it? I, I honestly don't know. 
Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.